Today's, uh, we're going to touch on a passage. We're going to start in a passage that's pretty difficult. And uh, as we look at it this week and really next, uh, I wanted to start talking about our expectations of life. Uh, it's great to be young, right? Uh, it's great to be young because uh, you, you don't have the scars and missed expectations of life. Uh, everything can be perfect in the future. Everything can be f- perfect. Uh, um, and yet, uh, as our expectations as a child or as a young adult, uh, those expectations we expect to grow up, we expect to be healthy, we expect to get a job. Many of us expect to get married, to have kids. Uh, we even set some of these things out as goals in the future, like these are the things that I'm going to do, these are the things that's gonna, things that are going to happen on a timeline. I may not know the timeline, but I expect as things go on, this is what's going to happen. Uh, the difficulty of life is when... Uh, those hopes don't come true. Spiritually, uh, we have goals as well. Uh, really, spiritually, all uh, our spiritual hope in the gospel rests on the completion of this life and then the return of the righteous judge. We've been talking about that really for the last few months. Uh, this idea that Jesus, in his return, is going to make things right. Um, I'm a bit overwhelmed uh, these last couple of weeks with things that have been going on. It's interesting, I have a Bible here, and this is the one I preach out of because it's got larger print than my other ones. Um, And I I found some old notes, and uh, they start out with floods, shootings, and fires. And I think, what, you know, are we just continuing to do these things over and over and over again? Um, We... We look at life, and some of it looks very discouraging to us, but uh, between the perversion of our world that's coming out in the media every day, uh, both uh, knowing about things like that in Hollywood-type uh, media, as well as politicians, and, and then fitting in the, the things that I know about personally and locally, and it's just overwhelming, and and thinking about raising children in the, these days, I know others of you are along there with me, and you go, it just seems uh, overwhelming. And then you hear, uh, as I shared earlier, about the, the shooting uh, in Texas and just how uh, awful that is. And, and you, you struggle with life, and you struggle with putting everything into perspective and being able to put it in perspective so that you can go on. But to know that the righteous judge is coming gives us great confidence. The greatest challenge for the believer is this. When someone challenges us and says, your hope, your hope is not true. Your hope is not true. What you're hoping in, uh, it isn't going to happen. And this is the challenge for the readers of 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2 this morning, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you 1 through 11, 1 through 12. God's word says this, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and, and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word 
or a letter seeming uh, to be from us. To, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God and a, or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember uh, that when I, I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know uh, what is restraining him now so that you may be, uh, may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only, uh, only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that, uh, that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God, we ask for your wisdom and strength, and may you make this effective in our hearts. God, encourage us as well, we pray, uh, that we may remain faithful to you and you alone. It's in your Son's name we pray. You may be seated. As we look to God's word this morning, uh, we're first going to look at the confidence of the future. Confidence. And um, I, I think that it's easy to struggle with confidence. Confidence in our faith, confidence in our job, confidence in raising kids, confidence in being a husband or a wife. Uh, it, it's easy. Why? Because we are inadequate for all these things. We see our failures over and over and over again. In fact, they're right before us, unless we're, we've deluded ourselves, right? Uh, I'm great. I, I, I've got it all taken care of. I, I've got this. There's nothing that can overwhelm me. Uh, that's ridiculous for us to say. And so we will all, uh, as we see the reality and the struggles of life, we will struggle with confidence. As I say that, the particular passage is dealing with our confidence in our Savior, our confidence in our Savior, and not just in our personal salvation, but that He will come back. He will come back, and He will take us to be with Him. In verse 2, uh, you see this. He's, he brings up, he says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is focused on this time. He shared this in chapter 1, uh, or in chapter 2, so he shared it in chapter 1 a little bit about the coming of the Lord. And in the previous book, 1 Thessalonians, his first letter, Paul shared this same idea that uh, the Lord is going to come. And I want to tell you, this is what believers look forward to. 
This is what we, we point to. This is the thing that makes life worth living today, that we look forward to the Lord's return. And so uh, as he brings this subject up, up, he says, the coming of the Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to him. There's a twofold, uh, the, these two things are coming together, that the Lord would return and that we would, as God's people, both those who have died before and those who have, are alive at that time, we will be gathered together to be with him. And we go, let's long for that day. Because that's what believers look forward to. That's what we can put one foot in front of the, the other because of. You, know, uh, you think about all the difficult things of life, and we look to avoid those. Don't you look to avoid difficult things of life? If you don't, you should, okay? Um, uh, some we can't avoid, but, but you should, you know, we, we don't dive headlong into uh, trouble. We, we try to avoid it. But, but you know, uh, those of you who have lived a, a, just a little while, right, you realize that there's difficulties and trials of this life that you can't avoid. You've tried, and yet they still come upon you. And so... Uh, as believers, they look for and long for a day. When is that day? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and us being gathered together to Him. Really the end, right? The end. That all the struggling of this life will be over with and done. And, and when I say all the struggling of the life, insert your favorite struggle, right? Or your favorite 10, right? Uh, the things that dog your feet day in and day out. And and so as believers, we look forward to our Lord Jesus coming and taking us and gathering us together as his people to be with him forever. This is, uh, he is addressing that they might have confidence in this, this that this is coming. In verse 2, you say, uh, you see that Paul write, writes, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by the Spirit, by a Spirit, or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So what he's addressing here in chapter 2, and really maybe the heart of message of Second Thessalonians, is that the day of the Lord has not come yet. It has not come yet. Now, some of you are saying, well, that, that seems obvious. That seems obvious that the day of the Lord hasn't come yet. Remember this, that the, the church at Thessalonica, they were new believers, right? They, they had uh, walked in paganism and uh, uh, Jewish thought and various other places. And then they come to know Jesus. They come to know Jesus. And now they're learning what it is to follow after Christ. And so uh, one of the things that we see both in First and Second Thessalonians is they are experiencing trials. They're experiencing trials. And when they hear of the trials or the difficulties of the time of the day of the Lord, they're going, well, maybe, maybe these are it. These are it. Um, I always uh, am afraid of people when they, they look at comments and uh, they, they look at life and they're in the midst of an event and they say, they smile and they say, it doesn't get any better than this. And I go, Seriously? Uh, 
it always scares me when people tell high schoolers, these are the best days of your life. No one ever says that to middle schoolers, by the way, right? Can't get away with that sales pitch, right? Uh, uh, it, it, and, and, but I want to be honest with you. I think that, that we struggle with this. Sometimes we think where this train is heading is that somehow, somehow uh, we're going to convince everybody and once we convince the majority, then we'll vote for the right people. Then we'll change our schools to somehow reflect uh, the gospel and not the world. And somehow we're going to do a, not a hostile takeover, maybe a hostile takeover of this world. And, and it's going to end well. I want to dash those hopes from you right now, okay? The scripture doesn't say that. In fact, in the passage we're looking at, quite the opposite, okay? But the great preparation for us is also the great confidence for us. The warning from Paul is, you know, that as we consider the, the coming of our Lord Jesus and being gathered together for Him, don't be shaken in your mind. Don't be alarmed. Um, about what? That the day of the Lord has come. Uh the, there's three groups of people or three different uh, possibilities of deception here. He says, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us. Uh, the letter seeming to be from them is simple, right? It's forgery, right? Uh, they got one letter. They got one letter that was from Paul, Timothy, Silvanus. And now they got a second letter. And there's a possibility that there was uh, different letters that were coming and people would say, hey, this is from Paul, church. And so they're, oh, okay, let's read it. Let's see what Paul has to say. He's the one who led us to the Lord. He speaks for God. Let me hear. And so there's a possibility that some were trying to deceive them and say, uh, really, this is as good as it gets. This is the kingdom down here. This is what you're in for. This is what it is to follow after Christ. Secondly, there might have been actual people uh, actual people that would speak a word to them. They would speak a word. They're just a group. They, it wasn't necessarily spiritual people, but they would come and they would say, hey, I don't know what you're looking for. Uh, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. The Lord has already come. And maybe you missed it or it's just not that great. The first group that he spoke of is, are those uh, of the spirit or a spirit and the idea of that most likely is this, that someone would come claiming, claiming that they have a message from God. They have a message from God. Uh, I want to I tell you that you should be very careful when people tell you, I know, God told me, God told me. And you, you just want to go, oh yeah? Well, what did he tell you? Because uh, the idea here is this. God has spoken. God has spoken. He's spoken in His Word. And when we get people who have fanciful ideas, and, and, and I want to tell you this. This is very, very important for you to hear. Um, sometimes we use our confidence that we have uh, as a way to tell people, don't give me input in my life. God told me I was supposed to do this. Okay, as a pastor, I can't trump that, you know, right? God told you to. 
We'd love. You and God, I guess, are going to take care of that. Do you see how that would be a powerful message for them, a powerful delusion? If I, as a man, came and I say, you know, God spoke to me last night, and he said he has already come. His son Jesus has come, and this is the kingdom. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, get used to it. And you can imagine um, how they would have struggled with this because um, they bought the gospel. They bought it. They embraced it. And what happened? We find in First, uh, First Thessalonians, what did they? Well, trials came. And they go, oh, trials came. Uh, if we bought the gospel, it was supposed to be great, and the trials came, and this is as good as it gets, their hopes would have been dashed. And so Paul writes this letter, probably for the very reason to correct this picture for them that Jesus has not already come. Uh, as you consider this idea of the day of the Lord, know this, that the day of the Lord speaks of a time frame, okay? Throughout the scripture, it doesn't speak of just one specific event, but events that encompass this coming of the Lord. And he's going to share with us two events that really precede uh, the Lord coming, in verse 3, it's what comes first. First of all, the day has not come, but now what comes first before this day of the Lord comes? In verse 3, it says this, Let no one deceive you, once again, uh, warning them, drawing them back. For, the day of the, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. The rebellion, or the word apostasy, uh, the the. Other translations or words will use the idea of falling away. Um, there's going to be a rebellion. And, and when he says uh, a rebellion or apostasy or this falling away, it's not a falling away. It's the falling away. Okay? Um, the church, uh, churches throughout history have been on a roller coaster of faithfulness, right? A roller coaster. And, and frankly, we've probably been part of that roller coaster, uh, both in this church and in your previous church, right? There were days where the church was faithfully walking with God. Uh, they were doing whatever God wanted them to do. And then there were other days where they were doing their own thing, selfishly and filled with pride, uh, going after what they wanted to go after. And so uh, there are rebellions, there are rebellions, there are times of apostasy, of walking away uh, from Jesus, but, but this one is uh, the rebellion. It's a specific one. It's a grander one. It's one that is marked uh, without dispute. It's a departure from uh, the gospel of Jesus to something else. It's a leaving of the gospel. And he doesn't give us much detail on this in this passage, but he just simply says, that rebellion will come first. And so I want you to get this fixed in your mind. Uh, if this is future, and it is, okay, what does the future look like? A grander rebellion away from the things of Jesus. 
I want to tell you, we can have great success in the Lord in our midst here. People will come to faith. Uh, we can raise our kids in faith and, and that they would trust Him. That can happen here, but know this. It is coming. It is coming where there will be a great drawing away, a great departure from the truth. And all this is, all, all this is, is, are those who don't truly believe being drawn away. That's all this is. There's no genuine faith lost here. No genuine faith. We look at this and we see this great departure and he wants to share with those, the readers, he wants to say, look, uh, the Lord, before the Lord returns, there'll be this great rebellion or this great departure from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really the idea of an unmistakable too, uh, departure. That, that's what must come first. That's the first thing he shares, this rebellion. The second thing he tells, and with much greater detail, and really the rest of the passage speaks of this. Um, Once again, looking down, as we see verse 3, let no one be deceived, uh, deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, is revealed. So let me first say, uh, this is a man. This is a man. This is a person. Uh, All indications of this passage is that this is a real person. And chances are, as he uses the word revealed, he doesn't use the word born or, uh, I don't know what other word would have been used, but the word revealed is the idea that he comes to light, he comes to light, or he comes to power. Um, chances are he will go unnoticed for many years until this place of power, and then he will be revealed. He will be revealed as the man of lawlessness. And, and others, other passages speak of the Antichrist coming. This is the same identity. Um, he's... There's a threefold um, distinction of who this man of lawlessness is or this Antichrist. The first, really, identification is lawlessness itself. The one who embodies willful violation of the will of God. Uh, To be lawless is to say, I don't care what God says to be true or His will. I I reject it. I reject it. And, And so... The first distinction that we have or identification of this man of lawlessness or this Antichrist is that he is a rejecter of the will of God and righteousness. He, he's lawless. He's lawless. Um, as we go through these, uh, it's saying these things are future. The rebellion's future. Uh, the, the Antichrist is future. But some of you are thinking right now, you're going, well... Uh, could it be? Could it be? Uh, seems like there's a lot of lawlessness going on. Uh, maybe you're thinking politics. Maybe you're thinking uh, celebrities. Maybe I don't know what you're thinking, but, but could it be? Could it be? And I want to tell you, yeah, it could be, but know this. Lawlessness and rebellion are present. We're going to get to that in this passage. They're present today, though it's not the rebellion or the Antichrist, okay? Um, as we look at this, and 
Let me just say this. Pastor Mike has been sharing in his class. He's got a, another month or so. He's working through some of these things in the book of Revelation as well. If you're interested, I would encourage you to go. But he also has a, a book, a book that talks about uh, much of what I'm sharing this morning. And really, this passage uh, is found um, in concept over and over again in his book. The man of lawlessness, the one who embodies willful violation of the will of God. It says that uh, he is this one, this man of lawlessness. He's revealed the son of destruction, the son of destruction. This is the second identification. And how, how is this man or this antichrist, um, how is he distinguished? He's the opposite of salvation. He's destruction. You think about that. Jesus said uh, in in the Gospels, in John, he says, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's the thief. That's the thief. He says, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The difference between salvation is, the, the opposite of that is destruction. And this one, this Antichrist that is to come, is the son of destruction, meaning that he is in line as the father is, so is the son that he is under, but the same, being the son of. And so we see this, the son of destruction, he's the opposite of salvation, and the son falls under the same as that of the father. Lastly, um, uh, this third distinction, he says, he's the opponent of God. Uh, Verse four, it says, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. What you have here is uh, the third one. He even expands it out a little bit more, and he says, I want to share with you who he is that you might be identified and where this is going. This Antichrist, he comes and he opposes God, um, even greater than that, this kind of stood out to me as I looked at this. I don't know if you caught it reading this. Uh, he exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. You, you look at that and you go, well, uh, that's not talking about the true God. You're right. It's talking about every God, true or uh, made up, pagan gods, uh, different kinds of cults and the, uh, different ways of belief. He exalts himself, this Antichrist will exalt himself above all other religions, faiths, all other worship and exalt himself and oppose the one true God by exalting himself in the temple, in the temple, taking the seat and seeing himself to be God over all. And I, I know that many of you grew up uh, in churches where they talk about this often, and every generation has struggled to try to play it out. How is this going to play out? Let me just assure you of this, that all these things can happen in an instant. That, uh, you know, people say, do you think the Lord's going to re- come back soon? Yes. How soon? I don't know. Could be this week. Could be today. It, like these things don't need time in our culture today. And it, I want to say this. Uh, sometimes I remember them talking about um, some of the fighter 
um, planes that you guys build down there. And um, they said somehow that's going to figure into Revelation and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it is or isn't. I don't know. But I know this, that God doesn't need anything from us to accomplish this. And I want to tell you, this is what is coming. How many of you like history? How many of you like history? Uh, A lot of you like history because it's certain, right? You look at it, it's already done, it's in the book, you know, the pictures are there. Like, you can't really argue with history, depending on who wrote it, right? You know, uh, uh, but but history happened, right? I want to tell you, what I'm reading to you, what I'm sharing with you, is history that hasn't happened yet. History that hasn't happened yet. You say, well, how do you know? Because it's God's Word. It's done. It's done. It's part of the plan. It's, it's accomplished. It will happen this way. History is a look back, but I want to tell you, God gives us a look forward with con- to build confidence in us of the things that are going to happen. He's an opponent of God. He opposes uh, God, uh, the true God, but also false gods as well. He exalts himself. Important for us to see that. Um, when someone exalts themselves, what is that the sin of? Pride. Pride. Okay? Uh, the sin of pride for us is a, is a big deal, right? Because it's a sin that is marked by the Antichrist as well as anyone who exalts themselves, thinks themselves to be great. As we look at this, uh, he exalts himself above every god. He takes his seat in the temple and he finds himself and he proclaims himself to be God. Which is fine, except for the fact that he's not God. And there's a righteous judge that's coming, Jesus Christ. So the Antichrist will come and this will precede um, his coming. Now, uh, Paul writes about the present realities, and we'll come back to some more about the Antichrist um, next week, okay? Uh, Verse 6 says this, these are the present realities. These are meant to be encouragement for them today. And he says, and you know what is restraining him now so that you may be revealed, he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. We're going to come back and we're going to start there next week, but know this. I mentioned this earlier, that this, this attitude, this work of rebellion, this, this anti-Christ attitude, this idea of rejection of the Messiah, the salvation and uh, being rejected and destruction being in its place, this is right now, this is right now, to a lesser degree, restrained by the plan of God. And so what I want you to know is this, that I believe that the Antichrist, the rebellion is future, but we see the seeds of it. We see pictures of it everywhere. We see it everywhere. Um, I I don't want to, we could have a very long service where we could stand up and say, this is where I've seen lawlessness in our world today. This is where I've seen Uh, antichrist and the people that I know. This is where, and I want to tell you, I want to call you, I want to say this. 
we're joking about hurrying into the church parking lot, right? Um, I just want to tell you that this, this should order our life. This should cause us to think differently. As I think about these things coming, if you and I are the same, we don't think about these things that often. In fact, we want to push them out of our mind. I want to tell you that believers in the New Testament times, these are the things that kept them going. These are the things they purposely brought to mind, knowing that the difficulties of this life will one day end and the righteous judge will come. And he will be the God who brings about justice and takes them to be with them. Three things to remember this morning today as we look at this. And we'll pick up right here uh, next week. Uh, first of all, remember this. Things will be bad. Things, things will be bad and will get worse. You ain't seen nothing yet. Um, I, I know that's hard for some of you to say. You, you want to think good thoughts. I want to tell you, brace yourself in the Lord. Brace yourself in the Lord. Secondly, you should only trust in Jesus today. You should only trust in Jesus. Like the things that are going on today, as I look at the news, as I hear from you, the things that we struggle with, and I'm always overwhelmed. We should only trust in Jesus today. And I know without looking at my notes what the third one is. We should only trust in Jesus in the future. For all the things in the future, and, and some of us can get wound up, right? At night, we start thinking about the future. Sometimes we think about tomorrow. Sometimes we think about Tuesday, and then we think about Wednesday, and then we think about the troubles of Thursday and Friday, and then we go, oh, no, Thanksgiving is coming. And then we start worrying about this, and oh, no, what am I going to do when I'm retired? And then I'm going to do this, and what's going to happen to my health? And what about my children? And what about and what about it? And we, we get overwhelmed. I want to tell you, for the future days, the only one that you can trust with your future days is Jesus. He's the only one. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please join with me. Father, thank you for this morning. I ask that you continue to guide our thoughts as we think about these things, as we consider your plan. God, I, we realize that our world uh, cares little or nothing about your plan. May we embrace your plan and cling to you, uh, acknowledging you, your son Jesus. God, thank you for this time. May your word continue to mold and shape us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.